Welcome to the Awakening Church, one of the great churches Maui has to offer. And now, Pastor Stephan Fusley with this week's message. Well, I just want to welcome you. Aloha. Good morning. My name is Pastor Stephan, and we're so stoked to have you all here. Uh, and we're going to have a great time. How many of you guys are ready just to have some fun this morning? Yeah? Yeah. Let's have some fun. And um, we're going to talk about, uh, like, this uh, series, The Elements of Faith. And we're going to talk about Christianity, and sometimes it's, it's like Bob said, it's super complicated. And uh, we're going to talk about the different aspects of Christianity. Um, but before I do that, I wanted to share with you real quick um, what each week we'll be covering. So next week, we're going to talk about two Ds, which are the, the disciples, I'm sorry, the um, disciplines, the spiritual disciplines, which is like praying reading God's word, the scripture, things like that. We're going to also talk about um, discovering your giftedness. The reality is, is that God gives us certain things that we are talented at, or gifts, or skills, or abilities, and it's really cool. And so we're going to talk about how uh, Christians discover that. And then uh, the following week, the third week, we're going to talk about generosity, because really, ultimately, to live a Christian life is to just to give up your time, to be selfless, to like, you know, like a parent gives to their children and takes care of them. That's, that's a, a, one of the um, motifs, if you will, of the Christian faith. And finally, we're going to close with, um, the last week, we're going to close with, oh yeah, bearing fruit. You know, and if you're a believer, then these are the things that ought to be in your life. And that's what we're going to close with. But today, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about death and rebirth. Death and rebirth. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, um, I want to share with you uh, a little bit about, you know, myself. One of the things that I, I do is I work on the side uh, of ministry. This is my second job, being a pastor at the Awakening. Um, right now, I rent muscle cars and things like that. But anyway, in my workplace, I've run into people before that would get to know me, but they don't know I'm a pastor. Okay. And that's fun because I get the opportunity to really love on them and just show them myself before they have any preconceived notion of who I am. And so, you know, they're like, oh, I like this guy, you know, he's got tattoos, he's just, he's down to earth, uh, he has a cool story, and, you know, he rides dirt bikes or motorcycles or, you know, he'll have an occasional Cuban cigar and, uh, you know, he's just kind of a, one of us. And then I'll be like, hey, uh, by the way, uh, I'm a pastor and they're like, get out. Get out. In fact, this morning I had one of our uh, congregation that were saying, you know, um, you know, my family, they, 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 they see us, the way we're dressing in here, and we're not all dressed up. And, you know, it's like, this is church. You're a pastor. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the reaction I get from most people, from most people. And um, I love it because there are... In a sense, there are some misconceptions about what Christians ought to look like, dress like, live like, right? And we're going to talk, we're going to speak to that. We're going to speak to that. Because let me just mention just a few of them, uh, if you will. Uh, some of them are funny, right? Because there's some misconceptions about, for example, uh, that Christians are always fun and happy and uppity, and everything's always all good and, and you know, that type of thing, right? How many of you ever heard that? Like, why are you guys all so happy all the time? 
Right? You're not supposed to be happy, right? And then you get the opposite, like, wow, Christians are all boring and sad and miserable, and they have no fun. But I, I really believe that us Christians, we have some of the best fun out there. Another misconception, right? I'm just going to throw this one out here. It's going to be kind of random and off left field. One of the misconceptions is that uh, Christians don't have uh, good sex lives. In fact, Rolling Stone set out to prove it, and, and they, they took a poll of blondes or brunettes and then a Christian lady, and, uh, and they, 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 they pulled them all, and they found that, guess who had the best sex lives? Married, monogamous, Christian ladies, right? It's called the revenge of the church lady. And so, so there's this misconception of that we, we just don't have any fun, and, and, and you know, it's, it's boring being a Christian, but the reality is it is life changing, freeing, eye-opening, exciting, roller coaster riding uh, fun to be a Christian. But then there are some really, really down lows as well, some dark times, the dark nights of the soul that we go through some really discouraging moments. Um, another one uh, is we be- all believe the same thing. All Christians believe the same thing. The, the reality is, is that us Christians can't agree on a lot of things. We, we believe you and me here at the awakening. We have a, a vast diversity of viewpoints, beliefs. But re, when it comes down to it, guess what we do? We love each other. We love each other, and we would do life together. It's a family, and that's awesome. And that's awesome. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, another one is we're illogical and anti-science, right? But I know some of the most smart people, intellectuals, and, and they believe that science is not against Christianity, but it's, it, it actually complements each other, and that you can fuse science and logic and mathematics and everything with God and, and, and following him in Christianity. It's, it's something that's incredible, and we don't always have to be anti-science to be Christian. That's, that's, that's for a few a small crowd, a small crowd of Christians that are defining the whole, and that's just not true across the slate. Now, um, another one is is that church is a safe place. We're a safe space. That's what a lot of people believe about the church. No, no, this is not a safe place. This is not a safe space. In fact, a lot of your beliefs will be challenged. Sometimes you'll be uncomfortable, and. That's part of my job as your pastor, just to challenge you, make you feel uncomfortable in some areas that promotes life change. Um, We're not going to beat you up. I'm not going to thump you with the Bible, but we're going to love you, but I'm also going to speak truth when God leads me to do that. Um, Now, another one is that uh, Christians have no problems. We have no issues where everything's smooth sailing. You, You accept Christ and all it's a rose petals everywhere. The reality is it's stacked with a stalk of thorns that rip and tear along the way. And we all have our, trust me, I know I'm the pastor. We have our issues, church. Okay? <laughs> we got our drama and our stuff. Um, also, um, another misconception is we're entitled to prosperity. If you just do A, B, C, God is like a vending machine and you, you're a good man and God will bless you with money. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. A uh, big misconception. We'll talk about that in the third week. Um, I think this one's kind of one of the bigger ones is that somehow if you're a Christian or even a pastor, if you will, you're morally superior than other people. 
And, and I'm here to tell you this morning, I hate to break it to you, but I am, like what Paul would say, a sinner of sinners. If you, if you get a chance to hear my story, there'll be a lot of laughs at my expense, but your pastor's not perfect. And I know from hearing a lot of your stories that you guys aren't perfect either. And so if you're kind of just barely made it in here this morning because you're like, wow, like, I can't go to church because I might melt because I'm, I'm doing this and this and this and this, and the enemy's telling you, don't go because you're a hippie. Dude, forget that. <laughs> Join the club. We are all, there, there's a, there is a level of hypocrisy in all Christians, but there's a lot more, a lot more in the world, okay? So we're not, it's not just us being hypocrites out there, world, all right? But what we do as Christians is we try to limit our hypocrisy to a minimum. That's what we try to do. That's all, that's what we do, and, and, and hey, it's life, okay? We're sinners, just because we label ourselves Christian doesn't make, poof, oh, now we're going to be perfect. Wait a minute, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Right? Am I right? Okay, so come on, let me preach this morning. I know I'm speaking to somebody. Uh, <laughs> so uh, our faith seems complicated a lot of times. And it seems like there are rules, kind of like uh, not written, but they're suggested or known rules that we're, we're supposed to live by. And what I like to do, like the Kool-Aid guy busting through the wall, like break through all that. I'm like, Kool-Aid, right? Um, I'm, okay, I'm going to calm down now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so, um, okay, well, let's talk about, because you, you're probably sitting there saying, you know, I never really heard somebody just talk about the elements of our faith in a way that just, hey, that's pretty simple. That makes sense to me. That's not a voodoo or some crazy stuff. They're not running around screaming, howling like dogs. It's just like, hey, this is, this is real. This is, I understand it. Uh, we're going to explain that to you uh, this morning. Before we do, I need help from the Holy Spirit, obviously. Uh, so uh, with some of our tech stuff, we're going to pray and invite him in. Will you guys join me with that? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing, what you're teaching, and how you're growing us. Lord, we just, um, we pray by the power of your Spirit, Lord, that you open minds. You bring clarity. Lord, that you would speak in a way that people, their hearts would open and they would take in and allow it to change them from the inside out. Oh, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge without you can do nothing, can do nothing apart from you. And we just pray that you be here in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Now, um, we're going to jump in God's word. And we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of let the cat out of the bag, if you will to explain to you that the world is not going, if you're a Christian, if you're in here and you, you, you're not just a Christian by, uh, by definition, you are actually, you consider yourself a Christ follower, you follow Christ. You're, you're not going to be understood. The world is going to look at you and scratch their heads. It's going to be confusing some of the things you do. In fact, Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 1, verse 18, he says the message that points to Christ on the cross seems like what? Seems like sheer silliness to those hell-bent on destruction, but for those on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And this is the way that God works, and most powerfully as it turns out. It's powerful. Now, 
if you're a Christian. Again, it makes sense. It makes sense. And so oftentimes what happens is we get so far removed from people who are not Christian that we get sometimes in our own echo chambers, in our own bubbles, that we lose touch with the way that people think who are not in the church. And even some churches do this. They, they just kind of assume people know Bible history. They, they assume people know certain things, and, 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 and people come in scratching their heads. and like, that doesn't make sense. Now, if you're uh, not a Christian and you're in here, I think that's fantastic because you get an opportunity to hear what Christianity is all about just the nuts and bolts, okay? And hopefully, if you're not a Christian, my, my end goal is to, to lead you to a place where you're like, hey, man, I can do that. I actually, I, I could see God making my life better. And that's my goal. That's my goal. So now, before we um, we'll go any further, so we're talking about, again, the first, the first element, right? How many of you guys watched the fifth element, fifth element the movie? I love that movie. Right, what are the elements? What are they? Well, who said that? Water. What else? Air. Earth. Fire. Right? Four. Right? The fifth element, we'll just call him God. <laughs> right? There it is. He creates it. All right. Um, but we're talking about four elements of the Christian faith. The first one is Death, dun, dun, dun. Okay, what is that about, Pastor Steele? I'm going to explain it here in a second. And then rebirth. Oh, thank God. There's something. There's rebirth there. I like that part. The death part, I don't know about that, Pastor Stephan. I'm going to explain that to you. Now, if you are a Christ follower, there must be a death of sorts for that to happen. There must be a death. You know, one of the people that I really admire, his name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor just like me. He was German just like me. But he so happened to be uh, in a time in history where he was much, much less fortunate than I was, that I am, because he happened to be in Nazi Germany during the time of Hitler. And he said something very powerful. I mean, in his, in his time, he did prison time. In his time in prison, he wrote some of his great works. And I'm going to read from that. We're going to talk about this death, and he's going to explain to us what that is. Now, he says this. The cross is laid on every Christian. The first suffering which every man must experience is the call to what? Abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man, which is the result of his encounter with Christ. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. No. But it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ, now this is important, you can write this down, text it, post it. This is what Dietrich says. He said, when Christ calls a man or woman, he bids him come and die. It may be a death, uh, sorry, it may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, but it's the same death every time, death in Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. 
So this, Dietrich is basically saying this, this death does not necessarily have to be a physical death, right? It's a, a dying to ourself, our, our own agenda, our own way, our, our being in charge, us being God of our lives. That's what Dietrich's talking about. There must be a death of sorts as well. And that's a scary thing for a lot of people because they're so afraid of what they may have to give up, what they may have to let go of. And the reality is they're holding on to a penny and clinching it onto it with their dear life. And God has in his hand gold and gems and pearls that he wants to give in exchange. And the reality is that uh, a lot of people choose their own kind of death. Their own kind of death. Uh, And it leads to death in a total sense, physically and spiritually. Um, A great scripture uh, in Matthew chapter 16, it describes this death, okay? And, And just before I get into the scripture in Matthew 16, there is a misconception. Uh, a lot of people believe that, hey, if I believe in God, I, I'm good, right? Isn't, isn't, that the, isn't that the ticket? I believe in God. I, there, I said it. So is that my ticket to heaven? Is that, uh, you know, that's, hey, that's, I'm hedging all my bets on that. So I believe in God. God, I believe you. But if you read the Bible, if you read God's word, you'll, you'll find out really quickly that there's a lot of people that believe in God, including Satan and the demons who are hell-bent on killing you, right? Kill, still killing and destroying. The devil was a liar and a murderer. He's, he's hell-bent on, on destroying you, bringing you death spiritually and physically. But he believes in God. He believes in God. So what makes a true Christ follower? It's a Christ follower is one who has surrendered themselves at the foot of the cross, surrender, and with the connotations, and in Scripture here we'll see it has connotations of death. Uh, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 27. It says this, that Jesus said to his disciples, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up, what? What does it say? Your own way. Take up your cross, right? There it is. Take up your own death instrument, and follow me. It'd be like, hey, go pick up your own electric chair <laughs> and take it to the place where you're going to, you know, take up your own, right, what do they do? They do the chemical thing now, right? Uh, what, what is Injection, lethal injection. I'll take your lethal injection pill with you, you know, um, and follow me. Well, that's exciting. I'm, I'm motivated to be a uh, Christian today and Pastor Steph, thanks. Well, I'm going to explain this here. And, and it says this, if you'd like to hang on to your life, this is what I was talking about before. If you'd like to hang on to your life, what? You will what? You will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what you do to benefit, uh, what would you do? Sorry. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. According to their deeds. So Jesus, he's like, a lot of people were saying, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. 
And a rich man, a very wealthy man, comes up to me and says, Jesus, yo, I, I, I can follow you. I'm, I'm set. And he's just like, wait, wait, wait. He saw right through the guy, and he knew what he, he put above God and all else. His idol was money. And so he says, hey, because this guy, his idol is money. He says, hey, what, what, if you want to come follow me, it's all good. Come, come follow me. But first, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, does that mean everybody in the Christian should do that? No, that's not what, that's not, he saw what was the guy's idol. He saw right away what he put first before God and spoke to it. That's the death I'm talking about. To another man, he was like, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you, but first, first, can I, can I go and take care of my dying parents and settle accounts and sell the house, everything like that? You know, and Jesus says to him, and this is shocking, he says, let the dead bury their dead. Come follow me. That guy's idol was his family. His family was above God and following God. His own family. And God's like, no, no, I come first. Seek first the kingdom of God above everything else. Love me. And then everything else will be added to you. I'll take care of your family. Right? Even at one point, uh, Jesus' own brothers and sisters came to the temple where he was discussing uh, his father's business which is God, the Father, right? Yeah. And so he's discussing it, and his, his siblings come and said, hey, Jesus, we've been looking all over for you. We, went, we all got almost all the way home, and we realized you were missing. Where have you been? We're your family. And Jesus said, who's my brother? Who's my sister? So the one that does the will of the Father is my brother and my sister. So for, for a lot of you in here, um, some of you, uh, weren't born and raised here or don't have family here and your family is thousands of miles away and the awakening church has become your family huh? but that's but again god is speaking to the heart of what is what is that person what what are you what am i putting in front and above god as our idol because he wants to be first and that takes, letting go of those things that we put above him takes a death of sorts. You know, is that making sense? Okay. Now, what about you? What, what is in your life that is getting in the way of you falling on with all your heart? And there needs to be a death of sorts. What, what is that thing for you? Could it be a relationship? Could it be um, ambition, some goals, lofty goals you've set? Could it be your, your, your pocketbook? What is it? A dream car? A title? How popular you are on Facebook? I don't know. What is, what are you, what, what needs, like, what? Because usually, here's the thing. I'm going to boil it down to this. When people are afraid to surrender their lives to God, there's a couple of things. One is they think that, well, they've got to get their life together before they do that. And I'm like, eh, no, you don't have to do that. Oh, Pastor, well, I have to give up this. And I'm like, dude, just give your heart to Jesus first, and then he'll help you figure out the rest. Okay? Don't, one step at a time here. Don't get over yourself. You're, you're going to never come to God if you have to fix everything. If, if, if there is a sign that says on the front door, hey, in order to find God or come to God, you've got to have your act together. I wouldn't be able to come to church. 
let alone you. Okay, so now that we got that taken care of, oh, well, I have to, no, don't worry about that. But then it comes to the second thing usually is, oh, oh, pastor, I just can't give this up. It's more important to me than following God. And the enemy, Satan, uses whispering in your oh, but you'll have to give it up. It's usually one thing. It's just usually one thing that we put in front of God. And he asks us to lay it down. Because why? Because he's got something better. He wants to bless you, give you future and hope. He wants to give you, he's like a dad. He wants to spoil their kids with a Christmas present. That's what God is, his love for you. And you're squeezing onto that little penny. You're so afraid that you could lose your penny. And he's got, he's got a key to a mansion for you. If you could only see, you'd be like, oh, I'm in. All right, let I'm lay me down, right? I'm dead. I'm dying myself. Okay, bye-bye. Old, old me's gone, right? But what is that for you? What is that? If you know what it is, keep that in the forefront of your mind. We're going to talk about uh, the, the, the part that you liked, right? The rebirth part. Oh, thank God. We'll get away from this death thing. Okay, so that, but they're one and the same, okay? So there's this death of sorts, and then there's this rebirth, right? We're talking about, um, if you look at the seed, right? It literally needs to die before, you know, when it's planted in the ground, and then it comes alive. It's a reborn. And, and um, that's, in a sense, what happens in the first element of our faith. There's a death, and then there's a rebirth. And we're going to talk about that rebirth part. But before we do, we'll talk about a man, a very strict religious Pharisee named Nicodemus. And he was, at, at the time of Jesus, he was observing, he was watching, and he saw what Jesus did, how he loved people, how he healed people, how he, how he transformed people, how he brought people back to life. And and he saw something in Jesus, and, and he, he, he maybe was not fully aware that Jesus was the Messiah, but, but he, he knew that Jesus had something. He had, he had something that, some kind of truth. And, and so he, when all his other buddies who were trying to kill Jesus weren't looking, what did Nicodemus do? He snuck around to find Jesus, and he wanted to talk with him. He wanted to ask him some questions. And he's, he's like, what, what, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, this is what Jesus said to him. Jesus replied, John chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. He says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without believing, oh, sorry, but without being born of what? Water and of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't see where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Okay? So this rebirthing. We're talking two elements here. We're talking about um, we're talking about a spiritual birth, and you'll have a certain church that will say, "Hey, I have the 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 goods on the spiritual birth rebirth thing." Okay, well, this is how it happens, and this is the process. But Jesus is saying right here, "Hey, no, it's kind of complicated. It's hard to explain that how that happens." 
Um, and, and you have all kinds of different reactions when it does. But I do know this. I do know that if you ask to receive the Holy Spirit, you'll get it. And whatever form it chooses to, to show itself in, in, in your life, you'll, you'll, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, hey, you've got to be born by the Spirit and you've got to be born by water. What does water mean? Right? Water is what Christians do, baptism. We get baptized in the water. Well, what, what is that symbolic of, right? What is that symbolic of? Well, going, um, you know, a lot of people have the impression that, okay, well, getting baptism is just to kind of like, you know, get rid of my sin. But you don't need to, you don't need to go and get baptized to do that. In fact, when you talk to God and you say, God, I've, I'm a sinner, and, and please forgive me, guess what he does? He forgives you. There's no way you don't, you don't need water next to you to do that. You can do that right now in this moment. But getting baptized in the water is something else. Now, let me explain it to this way. This way. Does a wedding band, the uh, proof, is that, is that proof of the love that two have for each other? No. No, it's not. Because first there's love, right? Then there is the marriage. Okay? The, the ring and even the wedding is just a symbol of that love. In fact, the wedding itself is a, a public, a public um, display of saying, hey, everybody, check it out. I love him or her, and I, I love them, and I want you to know because we're making a commitment before God so that you can hold us accountable, right? That's what wedding's about. So in the same way, being baptized by water is when a Christian gets to a point, and hopefully sooner than later, where they are saying, I don't care what the world thinks. I'm going to tell the world, hey, world, I belong to God. Because sometimes it's a scary thing, isn't it? Because we've got a lot of people in our schools or workplaces, family members who would be like, oh, oh, they're gone crazy. There they go. I've lost them forever. And we're afraid of kind of being rejected, right? So baptism is like, hey, world, I belong to Jesus, and I'm not ashamed, right? And the Bible says, hey, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. That's what Jesus said. And, and, and baptism, it's, that, it's just that. It's like, hey. I don't care if this is a public beach. Who's watching? Who comes by? I'm getting baptized. Okay? The symbolism of baptism, right? When you, okay, the Catholic Church, what, what they do is they'll sprinkle you with water as your baby. And here's a couple of issues I have with that. Um, you know, it, it's all good. You want to baptize a baby like that, sprinkle them, it's great. Well, the first thing is, right, baptism in the New Testament was immersion complete immersion by water for a reason, a symbolic of something. Um, the second thing is, I, I, I don't know if a baby can have the capacity to willfully, on their own cognizant will, to get baptized. So, you know, we just, we, we, we do baby dedications. We say, hey, we dedicate this baby to the Lord. And then when someone gets to a point where they can understand and they can really grasp it and make that decision for themselves and own it, that's when they get baptized. So uh, that's a side story. But anyway, 
we do immersion because the symbolism of that is, is going to the grave. Uh, it's that death thing. You brought it up again, Pastor Stephan. I thought you were over that. Come on. Come with the rebirth thing again. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So the, going down underneath the water is symbolic of death. Death to old sin. Death to old ways. Death to your life. Death to whatever you felt like you wanted with your life. You just give it away. Boom. In the grave. It's gone. And then you come up. Oof. Out of that water like the video you saw me getting baptized. A brand new person. Someone that is given over to God. That's given a new name. New life. That's what, that's what that means. That's why we, we have baptism and immersion, water, immersion in water. Um, and there's beauty in that. And a lot of times people will experience deeply spiritual things in the baptism. Um, it's emancipating. It's freeing because now the world knows. Um, so that's what water baptism is. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, is, hey, Holy Spirit, I want you. Come hang out with me, right? He says our bodies are a temple. The Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. It helps us, guides us, encourages us, lifts us up, right? Our direct line to God. That's cool. So there is a surrender, a death of sorts. God, I, I give you my life. I surrender to you. We do that prayer every, every Sunday after church. And then there is a rebirth, right? Baptism of the Spirit. Some of you a couple weeks ago, acts that received the Holy Spirit. And then others of you last week were pumped up, uh, like, hey, I want to get baptized, right? And so what we're going to do, here, so you guys are like saying, so what? So what? Okay. Uh, We are going to apply this right now, all what we're learning, the first element of the Christian faith, uh, the surrender part and the rebirth spiritually by, and, and, and by water, okay? Um, let me uh, just close with this kind of story, okay? So there's this Ethiopian treasurer, and, you know, he's going down the street, you know, rolling in his sixth foe. All right, and he's you know he's got his Bible app open and he's listening to like the old the law like the Deuteronomy some of the law like some of the Old Testament he's listening to it, um, and he's not he's like kind of confused by it and you know and there's this guy running along the side of the road, you know he's, you know his name's Philip right he's running like running the side of the long road and and he hears you know the Awakening app on that's reading the scripture and the guy's trying to understand it, right? And he's like, oh, I can't understand this. He's actually driving really slow, and it's kind of weaving, almost runs over Philip, and, and Philip's like, hey, what are you watching? Where are you going? And, and, and uh, oh, the guy, this Ethiopian treasurer, he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, I was just trying to understand this, this scripture. It's like not making sense to me. Philip's like, hey, let me get in. Let me, I'll explain it to you, okay? So he drops in his 6-4, like, uh, and then they go rolling, and, and he starts explaining to this Ethiopian treasurer what's going on, right? All right. And so he explains what it means to give your life to Jesus, because Philip knew Jesus. In fact, Philip rolled with Jesus, right? So he explains these things and explains baptism. And they're, they're, they happen to be driving down the road, Kihei, uh, by Sugar Beach. And they see the, he sees the Ethiopian treasure, sees the water, and he's like, hey, right? 
This is what this is what I'll, I'll tell you this story right here. Uh, Acts chapter eight verse thirty six. This is not actual you know rule in your six four. This is this is in God's word here. Okay, just so you know. Uh, Acts chapter eight verse thirty six. As they continued down the road, right, Philip and the Ethiopian treasure, they came to a stream of water, and the eunuch said, "Here's water. Why can't I be baptized?" So he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. What? On the spot, on the spot, okay? So there's some things today we can do on the spot. Some of you shared with me last week you're interested about baptism, but before we get to that, I'm going to talk about it in a second. Talk about surrender. Some of you maybe surrendered your life to God a long time ago, and you've gone off track. And there needs to be like a rededication, a re-surrendering, a re-dying to self of sorts. We're going to pray. We're going to do that. Some of you need to ask to, to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask God to do that if you want to do that, okay? And then what's really cool, because we live so close to the water, we, at the end of the month, so you can mark in your calendars, here's why we're not doing it today. Because we could. We could just, right after service, we could just roll over there. In fact, if you have to, like, if, if you absolutely have to, you feel like, I'm going to die if I don't go down the water past the step and do it now, uh, okay, we could probably work it, but I'm going to encourage you to wait at the last Sunday of this month. I believe it's the 27th. And here's why. I believe it's important for you to invite everybody you know. Everybody who will come. Family, friends, coworkers, fellow students. Say, hey, I'm getting baptized. You want to come and hang out? Watch. I could really appreciate your moral support. You're just Encourage me, stand with me while I do this. It's a big deal to me. And you know what? They'll come. A lot of them will be honored. Like, well, cool, yeah, I'd love to. And the reason why is that, that they can see not only that you're demonstrating openly your faith to those you care about, but it's also like, in a sense, it's like an accountability thing, right? I'm giving my life to Jesus, right? So if you see me slipping, don't come and smack me in the head with the Bible. Don't do that because that's not how we roll. Come and encourage me. Breathe life into me. Love on me. Help me, like, lift me up. That's what it's about, right? When I say accountability, we have some negative content. It's like, oh, they're going to come knocking on my door. In some cases, I have done that before, though. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the most cases, it's just, it's just a loving thing, you know? Your family, your friends, your, 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 your spiritual family, Awakening Ohana. We want to be there for you, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to close in prayer. Before you, I'm going to give you this encouragement. And this is why we do this death of sorts, surrender, rebirth, spirit, and water. Uh, and this is what Jesus says in Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Oh, I'm sorry, this is Paul speaking here. Um, he says this, that is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And we came out of the water, we entered into to the new life, the new country of grace, a new life in the new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. But we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into the light-filled world of our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace sovereign country. 
So when you get baptized, just a little encouragement here so you don't get like really depressed. When you get baptized and you go over, you go into that water and you die to your sin, die to an old person, die to that old man. And you come up this new person. Does that mean that we're going to be perfect all of a sudden, that there's no more sin in our life? Heck no. <laughs> all right? No. That's not what that means. It, it, Paul is saying here in Romans chapter uh, 6, he's, he's saying, listen, you, you go and die to that old, that, that sinful life because, and you can't do that on your own. And it's only because you come into this new life this new country of grace that eliminates this whole, like, and Paul talks about it severely. He talks about, like, I'm not bound to, like, this rule-keeping thing. That's not what our faith is. It's not a bunch of rule-keeping. It's living in the grace of Jesus that washes away our sin, where we don't focus on, like, I need to eliminate this sin. I need to eliminate this sin. That's all we focus on. No, no, no. That's, you got the wrong idea. God's not sitting up there. Can you try, oh, he did it again. Oh, he did it again. He did it again. Oh, he, he asked forgiveness. Oh, I'm out of forgiveness. No, that's not how it works. God, God is wanting us to not focus on our sin, but focus on him and the grace and the love and getting to know him and having more of him in your life, that all that other stuff kind of starts just happening on its own. It's kind of cool like that, right? When you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else is taken care of. So when you're baptized, you die to that old sinful self, you come up a new person, you'll still have like your own problems and issues and things to work through, but you got God to help you. So I want to be an encouragement to you. If you're a believer and you feel like, man, I've done these things, I've, I've, I've had a death of sorts or I have... Um, had a rebirth spiritually by water as well. And, you know, I feel like discouraged because I'm, I'm still struggling with this. I think, hey, welcome to life. Sometimes it sucks, okay? Sometimes it's hard, but you got Jesus. You got Jesus to help you. So we're gonna pray. We're gonna do this now, right? What does the verse said when the eunuch said? He's right, right? They baptize him on the spot. So on the spot right now, we're gonna apply this. So you can bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for uh, the work that you're doing right now and how you're speaking to hearts. Lord, I just pray right now by the power of your spirit, because there are some of us in here um, who are Christians, who have surrendered our lives. And, you know, we've been baptized by water and spirit, and, but there's still things, there's maybe something, that one thing that's re, kind of resurfacing. And it's an idol. It's something that I've, we're tempted to put before God. And you're like, it's on your, the Holy Spirit's bringing it up to your mind right now. You're just like, oh, yep. Uh, I got some business to do with God. Christians, we'll start off with you, and you want to do business with God with that issue. Would you be courageous without even looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed? And not because I'll call you out, I just want to pray for you. Uh, I want you to be courageous and say, hey, Pastor Seth, there's one thing for you believers in there, in the house, on Facebook, on our app, 
There's one thing that I've been struggling to let go of. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be courageous and I'm going to say, God, with your help, I surrender this to you. Because I know it's maybe too difficult to do on my own. Would you be courageous if that's you? If it, gosh, there's one thing that you need to surrender. Would you be courageous without me looking around, eyes closed, heads bowed? Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? God bless you, good. God bless you. Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. Lots of hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good. God bless you. See you. Um, Lord, for us in here who are Christians, and there's, well, there's one thing that's kind of been getting in the way, Lord. I pray that we would seek first your kingdom and put that aside and just trust that everything else will be given to us. Some of the things we may give to you and won't get back. Some of the things you may give it back to us and bless us with more. Some, sometimes you have something better to replace it, Lord. And just help us trust you with that. Lord, help us give it to you. It's, maybe we've been holding on to a hurt or a wound or something, or somebody's uh, offended us or something like that. Maybe that's getting in a way of us loving you, God, or, or turning to you. So, so, Lord, maybe we lay that down at your feet. Lord, uh, continue to pray this morning. If you're in here and you surrendered your life a long time ago and you've gotten off track, and you want to make that right, or if you haven't given your heart to Jesus at all, you haven't surrendered, you haven't died yourself, uh, you believe in God, maybe, but you haven't gone there, there's a prayer I'm going to pray with you and show you how to pray that prayer. Um, it's real simple, and just talk to God like you and I are talking right now. And he'll hear you. He just wants to know your heart is real. Um, and you say these words. Everybody can say them out loud, um, so nobody... Nobody feels left out. You say these words of surrender. You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me on the cross. And you paid my penalty for my sin, which is death. Not only did you die, Jesus, but you rose from the dead. You conquered death so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come to my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. Continue to pray with our heads bowed, eyes closed. If, if that was you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or rededicated your life, would you be courageous so I can pray for you? Anybody in the house, raise your hand so I can see you. God bless you. Good. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. I see your hand. Good. Good. God bless you. Good. Good. God bless you. Good, good. God's doing some work. I love it. I love it. Good. Okay. Continue to pray. <laughs> if you're in here in the house today and you say, hey, I have not asked for the, to receive the Holy Spirit, would you be courageous? Would you say, you know what? I want to do that. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. And as a sign of you asking God that right now, you're praying to him. Be courageous. Without anybody looking around saying, you know, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand. God bless you. Good. God bless you. See your hand. God bless you. Good. Good. God bless you. See your hand. So, Lord, we pray that. We see their hands. God bless you. You see their hands. And they're asking to receive your Spirit. So, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, a Spirit of peace, of love, of compassion, a Spirit that guides us, into the good things. Would you fall? We 
with your peace and your love that surpasses our human comprehension. Would you rest me? Would you, would you surround us, Lord, with that warm embrace? Heavenly Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, we would nothing without you. Awesome, awesome. Continue to pray. I know some of you last week were like, okay. Right on the spot, we're talking about on the spot decisions. Some of you last week thought, I want to get baptized. If you're in there in the house, and on the 27th, you want to get baptized? You do me a big favor without looking around, eyes, eyes closed. Did you raise your hand? So thank God for you. Go, oh, yeah, baby. Yes. God bless you guys. Yes. Good. We're going to have some, we're going to get a baptism on. We're going to get a baptism on. So, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for what you're doing. We're excited. Uh, we sit in anticipation for the work you're going to do in our hearts and lives. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for this family, this Awakening Ohana. Thank you for the people joining us all over the U.S. and listening to us on our app. Our church family that actually is a part of our family here. And they, um, they're joining us as well. Lord, we just thank you for uh, this community. And I thank you for the peace that, that we get knowing that we have family here. We have family. We're surrounded by a family, a family in Christ. Well, we thank you. We praise you for this day. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, so we're going we're gonna to get our worship on, okay? And this is, um, okay, so the element of our faith, right, the whole death and rebirth, okay? And when we, we become God's children when we do that. And what do God's children do? Right? Okay, so... What do kids do in the, in the school playground when they talk about their mommy and their daddy? My daddy's stronger than yours. No, my daddy's got bigger tattoos than your daddy. Well, my daddy rides a motorcycle. Well, my daddy rides surf waves, surfs big waves. Well, no, my daddy, right? That's what children do. They're in awe of their parents. I have two little girls and, and it's, I love them give everything for them but they love their daddy and their daddy loves them and that's what worship really is when we sing songs we're just saying our papa our daddy in heaven he's the man right that's what worship is it's pure and simple it's us just kind of giving ourselves over to saying you know what God you're good you're the man we do that with song. Because sometimes just saying it in sheer words isn't enough. And we sing it out loud so everybody can hear it. Sometimes we dance, we clap our hands. And that's what worship is, right? Because our Father is good and deserves our worship. Thank you for joining us this week. The Awakening Church is a church that unchurched people love to attend where real people can come as they are and connect with others who love God. If you're on Maui, please come join us. If you're not on Maui or you can't attend a service, check us out online at theawakening.org or download our Awakening Church app. You'll find past messages, online Bible studies, scripture, and lots of other cool stuff, including ways where you can help us continue our mission. If this message has blessed you, you can help us increase our reach by giving to The Awakening Church, either on our app or online. Thank you for joining us. Aloha.